0: Join brilliant minds as they come together to tackle the biggest healthcare problems facing the globe. The content in this series is taken from the 2018 conference in London. Coming up is Dr Oliver Johnson on his book, Getting to Zero, Lessons on Ebola and Global Health Security. Enjoy. My name is Dr Oliver Johnson. Uh, I'm a PhD student at King's College London and I'm going to talk a little bit today about the work I did in Sierra Leone for the King-Sierra Leone Partnership, uh, the time I was there during the West Africa Ebola outbreak, uh, and a book that I've just finished called Getting to Zero. I wrote Getting to Zero uh, with a colleague of mine, Dr. Sinead Walsh, who was the Irish ambassador to Sierra Leone, the head of Irish Aid. Uh, and she, like me, was on the ground in Sierra Leone when the first cases of Ebola emerged and played a key role in the Ebola response, uh, as well as being there afterwards to support the recovery. Uh, and when the outbreak came to a close, uh, both of us wanted to make sure that what happened, uh, the stories uh, of some courageous acts often from people, Sierra Leonean colleagues who, who didn't survive to tell their stories themselves, we wanted to make sure that those were captured and that we learned the lessons, the things we did well, the mistakes we made uh, for any crises in the future. Um, and it was a combination of our own stories but we also conducted over 80 interviews of everyone from the president of Sierra Leone to uh, survivors of Ebola, frontline healthcare workers, international agencies, uh, to get a really full picture of everything that happened. So my journey uh, in Sierra Leone started, in fact, with Thet. So I uh, went out in 2013 uh, as a young graduate to, to set up a partnership after we won a 113,000 uh, pound DFID Large Paired Institutional Partnership grant through FET. Uh, But we weren't working on infectious diseases. So our work was mainly around uh, strengthening uh, undergraduate teaching, the medical curriculum. Uh, And this was the team of three of us. There was me, uh, but there was also my colleague Suzanne, a pharmacist, and Ahmed, uh, a young doctor. Uh, And we were there just doing long-term development work. We first heard about cases uh, emerging in Guinea, uh, a neighboring country next door. So the first cases of Ebola uh, took place in uh, the Kisi chiefdom. And as you'll see, it's a big red dot on the map. Uh, And so we initially were all the way in Freetown and thought, well, we probably won't see Ebola at all. If we do, it'll be one or two cases. And after all, what does that have to do with us? We're here doing medical education work. Um, But bit by bit, we began to see Ebola cases moving towards the centre of the country. Now... Uh, We then got a call from the Minister of Health who said, look, we want you to join the National Ebola Task Force. And uh, we got requests from our colleagues at Connaught Hospital to help them to set up an Ebola isolation unit in case any Ebola cases emerged. And this was a really important moment for us. And I think it speaks so much to about what health partnerships are about. Because although we didn't go out there uh, to do Ebola work, we did go out there to support our partners in whatever they needed from us. Uh, And it comes down to trust. It comes down to relationships. And it comes down to those set principles of partnership about being flexible and responsive to needs. And so we ended up saying, well, look, if this is what uh, they need us to do as help, let's see if we can make a contribution. We initially helped to set up a two-bed isolation unit in the hospital so that any patients with a fever or other symptoms could be isolated to be tested. But one day in about June 2014, uh, we got a phone call from the emergency department. First of all, one patient and then a second patient needed to be isolated and our isolation unit was full. Then we got a call, there was a third patient in the emergency department. We had nowhere to put them, they had to stay in their bed in A&E. And we got together with the medical director of the hospital, the matron, and we realised in that moment that we had really underestimated what was coming our way. And so we met together and we made a decision to shut down half of the emergency department, to turn it into a much larger uh, isolation unit. And this picture is this extraordinary moment, about 10pm at night, with maintenance staff, cleaners, colleagues from the hospital, the whole King's team coming together to get this isolation unit ready uh, in, a, in an emergency. And uh, even then, we thought, well, worst case scenario, we might see, say, 20 patients in this unit. But ultimately, we saw more than 1,000 patients, of which more than 750 tested positive for Ebola. And unfortunately, it was a few, we- a few weeks later uh, that our colleague, Dr. Madhupeh Cole, who was only one of three uh, internal medicine physicians at the hospital at that time, Uh, and who was head of the Ebola unit, he himself got sick, uh, was infected with Ebola, and and soon after that, he tragically passed away. Uh, And as you can imagine, it had a huge impact on the hospital, on on the whole city. Uh, And we face, again, another decision point in our partnership, because we'd always seen our role as to be there to support our colleagues, never to take control, never to be in the driving seat. Um, But here we were in a position where the, the person in charge had died, and we were asked to take over the running, but it was a real shift to us. But, and it was a very uncomfortable shift for us to move from long-term development work into taking a much more proactive role uh, in a humanitarian response. And actually, looking back on it, I wish we'd shifted gears faster. Um, because whilst there's a lot about that partnership approach that carried through in terms of working with partners, long-term relationships, trust, some things needed to be done more robustly when the humanitarian outbreak happens. They needed to be done with urgency. But at this point, we became much more proactively involved. But as the outbreak then um, got worse, and in August 2014, we saw British Airways cancelling their flights. We saw many international agencies leaving the country, hospitals closing. Uh, Really, things got worse and worse. We were full. There were no empty beds. And we had patients coming to the front gates of the hospital asking for care. And we couldn't let them in because we couldn't uh, safely treat them. And we had so many health worker colleagues who were getting infected. We couldn't expose them to the disease. So we had to ask them to wait uh, in this tent until a bed became available. And these were really tragic, dark times. We didn't know how bad the situation was going to get, um, but we started to look for a solution. But it was of course a very challenging decision for King's to make as a university because King's is not a humanitarian agency. They were very worried about the safety of their staff and we had to have a discussion internally about whether to evacuate our team or whether to stay, not just to stay but to grow. And I'm really grateful to, to the university uh, to Andy Leather, uh, the director of the center, to others, for having the courage to say, even though we're an academic institution, we do have a role to play in this crisis, and that partnership means something to us. We've made a commitment to our colleagues to stay, and that's what we're going to do. And so they made the decision to, to allow us to grow our team, and, and that allowed to build on what we'd been doing at Connaught Hospital. And expanding the number of beds as part of the response was a key part of what we were doing uh, to get Ebola under control. But a second thing we realized is that we had to make the most of the beds we had available. And at a certain point, while Connaught was overflowing, I went to a a nearby hospital and half the beds were empty. And I realized what what was needed was some good old-fashioned NHS uh, bed management expertise to make sure we made the very most of the logistics and the system we had available to us. And there were some really extraordinary colleagues that we worked with as part of this. This is a photo of two young medical students at the university. The, The medical school had closed. And so we had these really bright, talented, um, passionate colleagues who wanted to find a way to help. Them. And so we recruited them in as medical students to coordinate the ambulances, coordinate lab supplies, um, and to really um, make sure that the response was as effective as possible. Uh, this is Wahid, uh, one of the young medical students. And this is him introducing Tony Blair to the center and one of the many celebrities who came down to the command center to see the work that these Sierra Leone medical students were doing. So in the book, we talk about our, our experiences, both Sinead's from a political, diplomatic end and mine uh, on the front lines of the clinical response. Um, but at the end, we talk about some uh, five key lessons that we learned. Um, and I'm going to skip over briefly the first three um, because uh, there isn't really time today. But they are the first is community engagement. And it's absolutely one of our most central lessons is that you've got to... Uh, listen to communities, you've got to build trust with communities, you've got to support them in their own responses, rather than taking a punitive, military-style approach. And even now, as we look at the outbreak in North Kivu and the DRC, we're seeing the same problems occurring, with a lack of trust between the population uh, and the government and international community. The second is around leadership and coordination, and we saw some amazing leadership, locally and internationally in the response, Um, but also we often saw a lack of leadership where it was needed. Uh, This is a photo of Barack Obama, uh, and he's hugging uh, an Ebola survivor in the Oval Office. Uh, A real act, a visible act of of courage in showing uh, destigmatizing Ebola, and he played a very important role in mobilizing the international community for the response. But you ask yourself, with, with different leadership in the White House now, what would it look like today with a global emergency like that, and what kind of leadership do we have? Finally, the third issue there was the issue of politics and accountability, challenges we had with people Again, globally and nationally, using the Ebola response to advance their own political interests or to make money, and that was a huge challenge. But the last two I want to really focus on, because they're the most relevant for this audience, Uh, the one is around working through government systems. And I think so often in an international response, NGOs come in and they try and do their own thing. They set up a standalone pop-up clinic with their own staff, they recruit their own supply chain. Uh, and we felt this was a real missed opportunity because there is a health system in Sierra Leone and we felt we should, we should work through that. So a lot of my work and the work of King's was saying, how do we use the relationships we have through the partnership to build a national response? Not just uh, we have a response now, today in the crisis, with staff who understand uh, the local language, the local culture much better than foreigners do uh, and who are very effective in those roles, but also to say, how do we build for the future? Someone like Kerrytown, 80 million pounds was spent on the Ebola treatment center at Kerrytown. Um, but a year after it closed, uh, a BBC journalist remarked how it was occupied only by goats. So these all these structures were built and established. But of course, once the Ebola response moved on, they were all left behind, leaving very little capacity in the country to deal with any future uh, crises. But of course, it should completely be Sierra Leonean health professionals, the Sierra Leone ministry that responds to any future crisis. Our role has got to be supporting them to have that capacity. So the other photo you see is the Center of Excellence for Infectious Diseases that King supported Connaught Hospital to build, a permanent isolation unit for any infectious disease and a training site for doctors, nurses, cleaners, other professionals in how to safely respond to an outbreak and infectious diseases. So it is possible to build a permanent legacy, even in the middle of a crisis, as long as you have that mindset. And again, I think it's a partnership approach speaks very well uh, to how to make that possible. And the final point and again such an important one for all of us here today is the importance of leadership and the importance of an individual the impact that one individual can play in a crisis situation and that can be people like the people who have been at the FET conference uh, International responders who step forwards in a moment of crisis and show courage uh, But also it can be uh, a huge number of nationals in our case some extraordinary Sierra Leoneans who stepped forwards, put themselves in harm's way, and had an enormous impact on the response. And one of them is this lady here, Yvonne Akisoya. And Yvonne was working as a businesswoman in London, uh, part of the Syrian diaspora community. And when the outbreak started, uh, she started putting her hand up and saying, what can I do to help? Uh, and then eventually she got on a plane. She came up to Freetown. She presented herself to the National Ebola Response Center and said, what can I do to help? And they uh, invited her to be the National Director of Planning for the response. And she played an absolutely central role Uh, In bringing the outbreak under control and in fact this year we were really excited to see her be elected as mayor of Freetown A city of two million people where she's now leading the developments in that city And she's such a powerful example of what one person even though she wasn't an epidemiologist or a doctor But the really powerful role that one person can play they put their hand up They present themselves uh, and they use the sort of skills like good being a good team player having courage, working flexibly, listening to people on the ground. With those kinds of skills, anyone can have a really important role. And I want to end by talking about this guy on the far right. Now, this is a guy called Boy Boyjalo. I knew him when he was a, a medical student. He was a leader of the Medical Students Association. He was working with us on medical education projects. And it was only a few months after this uh, that he, um, when he was a, a, an intern uh, with the military, he was asked to Uh, helped set up the Ebola isolation unit at the military hospital. and He first of all set that up and run it as a a junior doctor. But then one night he got a phone call uh, from his commanding officer. Uh, The National Treatment Centre that the government had been building was ready to open at 8 a.m. the next morning, but they needed a doctor to go and help run it. So he at 10 p.m. drove down uh, and worked through the night to get this place ready. Now Kerrytown, which was a big British uh, unit run by Save the Children and the military, I think they initially isolated four patients in their first week. Well, Muhammad Boyjalo and his colleagues isolated 58 in their first weekend. Uh, and he tells this extraordinary story uh, about his first night. And you can see here the quote from him. For the first week, myself and my colleague, we could not go home. We slept in the store. There were plenty of beds, and we would just go there and put one down. And I think that speaks to the extraordinary dedication uh, that he showed. Uh, but it also says that what we as partners need to do, because... We need to be supporting and have the backs for people like Yvonne uh, and Boy Jallo. We need to be there in a crisis to support them in their response. And I hope that's uh, given you some, some inspiration and some ideas that if anyone in this room ever finds himself in a crisis situation, they know that they, how they can play a really important role and bring it under control, strengthening the partnership, not just for that moment, but also for the long term. Thanks very much. This is the Thet Podcast on the Medics Academy Network. If you'd like to learn more about ZET, you can find our website at ZET.org.